Mini Episode 1442 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. We're doing another sort of state of WWE-type deal here. We did one of these leading into SummerSlam. We're doing one of these uh, heading into WrestleMania season. So uh, it is I, Rick Morris, here with my good buddy and fellow FDH Lounge dignitary Jake Digman breaking this down. Jake was here as we went through State of WWE. We'll do AEW as well. And uh, just kind of see during these wrestling wars where the two companies are at. Uh, the WWE is coming off of a, and this is one of the nicest ways I can put it, critically panned Royal Rumble show over the weekend that uh, is actually one of the, the, the great pay-per-view fiascos in recent history. Uh, some would say Heroes of Wrestling-esque. You know, we'll, we'll get into that as far as the levels of disaster that it was, but uh, there was one very prominent head to fall coming out of this one here, and uh, there have been a lot of them on the talent side in the last year. This one was uh, both the talent side and also the front office side. We'll be getting into all that and much, much more. Let me bring in my good friend as I crawl over to the corner to make the hot tag to my close personal friend, Jake Digman. And uh, Jake, we got a lot to uh, talk about here, i.e. complain about, if we're talking about the state of WWE in 2022. Well, me being a fellow old school uh, old, old school fan of the of, of, of the, the business, I got to say, I'm holding the tag rope here uh, to take your tag, and I appreciate it, and it's uh, great to be back on the show with you, Ricky, and um, state of the WWE, it stinks. Okay, let's talk again in six months. It does, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You could take the animated uh, character, the critic, uh, played so well by John Lovitz. Yes, it stinks! And uh, that is as succinct a sum up as you are going to get of this. Uh, nevertheless, an honor and a pleasure to have you in to talk about this. Hey, sometimes it's more fun to crap on stuff than it is to talk about how great it is. We'll get to put that to the test, because I think you and I are going to be putting over an awful lot of what AEW is doing when we go to talk about that. But this stuff here... This is just, again, it's one of these things where I watched it, I sat through the whole thing, largely because I am a Rumble completist, I've, I've sat through all of them, I've, I've watched all of them, I've kind of cataloged them over the years here, and I didn't want to not be a completist, but it's one of these things where, and this is maybe the first time I've ever felt this in terms of watching wrestling, that it's a thing of like, it's so clear in watching it, that whether it be the, the complete absence of internal logic or consistency or anything like that, the contempt that they have for their audience. It's the first time I ever internalized it, Jake. I felt contempt for myself sitting through it. That's not a fun feeling. Uh, no, it's not. And um, it's interesting, like, the amount of 
the backlash that came as a result of this. I mean, having watched it, I guess I wasn't as vehemently like thinking it was Heroes of Wrestling-esque level bad. <laughs> I think it's just a matter of it's a problem that, they, that the WWE in particular has had for... Um, and I don't think it's a problem. This is, and I read this somewhere else. It's not a problem. It's just the way they are. They don't make new stars. No. They don't use opportunities to make new stars. They just rely on old tropes and old hats until they run out of old hats. And when they run out of old hats, it's like, okay, what do we do? And it's been consistent. Ever. The only star they have made is Roman Reigns. Yeah. And that's debatable at that out of what level of mainstream star you want to go with. But he is the only person that, that's currently in that company in the past five years that they and it, it's not to say they haven't had countless upon countless opportunities um with you know this past saturday night being another example but what do they do they went back to the well of the familiarity of uh, former names uh that were from the past part-timers that come in because let's face facts those names pop by rates or if that's the thing we look at anymore, like not even pop buy rates, I guess they generate social media buzz. Right. Because your mainstream, your quote-unquote mainstream outlets like an ESPN will pick up more so on a Brock Lesnar and a Ronda Rousey as opposed to a Riddle and a Bianca Belair. Right. At, at what cost? And I'm sure we're going to get into all of that and, and more here. But, you know, I'm the kind of person, man, if I, I said this to multiple friends of mine, you know, if I were to work for the WWE, you know what I would do? I would quit and go become more famous somewhere else. Absolutely. And in terms of looking at this, yeah, it just it's such a, a depressing S-shell of a project here, what they have. It is just... On, on every level, so creatively bankrupt. It is really like, for anybody that watches this, it's the real-life version of Succession on HBO. I mean, Vince McMahon is Logan Roy. He's the past-is-prime old man. Uh, you have all these people circling around in, in this Game of Thrones-esque power play, if I'm going to launch another HBO comparison into the midst here. And, uh, again, the, uh, the behind-the-scenes intrigue, we're going to get into that certainly in the course of this discussion. But just everything they have, you're right about this. They're not making new stars, and it's a thing where I will say, and I think I might have mentioned this when we were talking about NXT 2.0 before it started in our last discussion of WWE, which, by the way, complete misnomer, it's NXT 4.0, because the first version of it was the stupid game show. The second yes. version of it was the... Uh, improvement upon what they had in FCW. That was when you had the Shield guys down there and Cesaro and a couple of those guys. It was the early days of it. There was an extension of FCW, but doing it better and doing it more coherently. The third version of it probably dates to about 2015 or so, where it became the Indie Superfed and the uh, sort of the, the, the creative darling within the banner of mass WWE. And I think I said then at the time, that it's a thing where, look, I don't condone Vince crapping on all of the guys that got called up. I don't condone wasting everybody that he ever wasted. And there's some of them, like Keith Lee, that really should have fit into his vision. You just scratch your head on, on that, on how even someone as dumb and out of touch as Vince has become could miss on somebody like him. But at least NXT 2.0 is supposed to be in the vision of Vince McMahon. At least it's going to have the intellectual consistency if you want to call it that, and that's probably a very kind way of putting it. Now, again, having watched the product, like, I can't even sit through it anymore because there's still isolated good wrestling here and there. Braun Breaker, stupid name notwithstanding, 
has everything it takes to be a big star, but I can't sit through the stupid vignettes. All of the quote-unquote character development that they're doing, it leaves me cold. I don't want to see any of that crap. But there is hope that as Braun Breaker and some of these guys get elevated, uh, that, again, this, this could be a thing of, like, maybe Vince knows deep down. For as much as we want to criticize him for being dumb and out of touch and senile and everything that we know that he is, of uh, that he knows he needs to create new stars. He needs a factory of guys in his image. Uh, at, at this point, truly, he will have no uh, excuse whatsoever if he wastes the guy coming guys coming up from 2.0, if he doesn't push them very strongly, because unlike most of the guys on Raw and SmackDown that came out of NXT in the last couple of years, these ones are truly in his image all the way. Um, i got to tell you this. Uh, NXT 2.0, I have seen approximately... Two things on the show. One, the very first episode, I saw the wedding that took place. I think it was Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. Yes. I saw that segment, and I saw it wasn't. And the other thing I saw, and it wasn't even on the show. I watched the uh, celebration with uh, uh, Ron. Don't call me Rex Steiner, <laughs> Breaker, and his dad. That was it. I yeah. tried. I turned it on. I have zero interest in this product. Me too. Um, it reminds me of. When, I don't know, like, you mentioned, you know, getting these guys that are all in Vince's image. Yeah. And it reminds me of 2006, 2007 WWE. Yes. Where they were just bringing in these muscle-bound guys that couldn't work, that were just dragging, I mean, you know, guys, you know, I'm talking like, you know, the Snitsky era, no knock on Snitsky, who, you know, ended right. up becoming comparable, I guess, but, you know, the Mike Knoxes and stuff like this, where, and... For the time, okay, you know, I get it, it was what it was, but you already gave your audience a taste of what the audience told you that they want in NXT, what are we going, 3.0? Right, <laughs> yes, thank you. 3.0, yes. the, uh, the, 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 the black and gold brand, the super indie fit, is yes. what, you know, it was, is, was the precursor to AEW, quite frankly. Yes. And, you know, every single takeover, you need guaranteed at least once four and a half to five star match and who is going to be the next indie darling sitting in the crowd for everybody to go to go nuts over right you can't go from that to what we have now to what they're doing with two, the nxt uh 2.0 i guess we'll call it because that's what it's actually called um you can't go back to something that wasn't popular 15 years ago and also your audience has completely diminished since then they don't even have half the audience they had in 2006 so anybody that's going to tune in they're going to see this they're going to go okay what exactly is this that i'm watching like um i'm a lifelong fan as you are monday night raw is impossible for me to sit there and watch i don't watch it i don't watch that or smackdown it might be a minute or so if i'm flipping by but it's always a matter of how long I can stand it before I flip the channel, and it's never long. I keep up on what's happening, so I'm not ignorant of it for conversations like this. I know what's right. happening, but I can't subject myself to it, Jake. It's like Guantanamo Bay torture to watch that crap. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's insulting to the audience with the exception of a few things here and there. I'll watch stuff involving Heyman Reigns and Lesnar. That's about it. Everything else is just kind of like, you know, they've made it so, like, put it this way, around this time of year, you always try to, like, you know, fantasy book, or you can kind of see the layout of what's going to happen sure. at WrestleMania. I don't see any. The only, quote-unquote, dream match that I could possibly think of that just gets me remotely interested is um, AJ Styles and Edge. 
because they've never faced each other. Sure. And they're two legends of a bygone era. That's it. There's sure. nothing else. I was. I mean, I'm sitting there. I was uh, combing through what we, pretty much what it looks like we're getting. We're, we're getting, you know, Brock versus Roman. It's going to be good, but it's we've seen it. This is going to be the third time at WrestleMania alone, and what the fourth time in the past two years they faced each other or something right. like that. Yeah. So it's like there's nothing really fresh there. Then you know. Every, everybody wants to see Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey, so we're gonna get Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. Right. <laughs> it's just, it's just like you know, I don't, I don't know. I, it is, it's one of those things where I think a lot of the audience, myself included, we continue to watch it because it's a thing we've always done. Right. But it's a thing where I mean, I've never watched less of it than I do right now because I can't hardly Agreed. take it. I just, again, I don't like. And, and maybe it never, maybe it took the Royal Rumble for me to feel this way because the last pay per view I didn't watch all of SummerSlam, but I watched you know the bigger matches of it, and even that wore on me. And it's a thing of just like of internalizing that contempt, of feeling contempt for myself watching it. Like you only live once, and you're spending your life watching this crap uh, from a company that doesn't care, that thinks that they're insulated from having to care about quality because of the revenue streams and everything like that. But as you pointed out, the audience is continuing to diminish, and that is the flip side of NXT, what they're calling 2.0, is that, yes, it's going to create guys in Vince's mold, but like you said, nobody wants to see that kind of crap. Uh, So is the fact that those guys are probably going to get seriously pushed on the main roster going to offset that? Uh, Not fully. The only other thing, too, is, and it breaks my heart to refer to anything as pre-Benoit, because, again, you know, he was my favorite wrestler when he was alive, didn't know he would do something so scummy as to kill his wife and kid. Um, But prior to the whole wellness policy fiasco of the mid-2000s, the guys you're talking about, like Snitsky, those guys had mobility issues, because it used to be if you were a juice head, like a lot of these guys were, where you couldn't even, like, really move. These guys today, at least they're fluid, right? Most of the guys at NXT, when I see, uh, 2.0, when I see them in there, at least they can move in the ring, at least they're fluid. Uh, You know, the juice heads of the mid-2000s were the worst to look at because they just couldn't do anything. They couldn't take a bump. They weren't smooth. It was just literally painful to watch. It's like, it's funny. If you, a perfect example of that is look at Randy Orton from that era versus now. Right. Like, you can could, you could tell, like, his, he got so much better when he got on. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but, you know, Randy Orton, nothing else is consistent. And you can tell from the time his body completely changed from, you know, that era where he was just all mass. So the point where they right. called him out for not being on steroids. Right. During, because, like, shouldn't you, like, take something or something like that? It's just like, whoa. But, right. You know, some, something else we'll, we'll never see uh, in the light of day <laughs> in right. today's day and age. But, you know, the other thing we got to acknowledge, this is a 70-something-year-old man running this company along with a man in his late 60s. I believe that's how old Bruce Pritchard is, or right around that age. Sure. But still, it's like, dude, you, you've been around since the 1980s. You set a thing up, you, your audience and fan base tells you what they want. And it's like, you know, well... I'm not going to give you that because this is what I want. It's like, okay. And I know a lot of people have, uh, um, you know, made fun of uh, Tony Khan for basically being a money mark that is, you know, playing with his new fresh shiny toys. But Vince McMahon has made a career out of being, you know, a money mark for himself that plays with his toys and he has his favorites. And once he gets his favorites, doesn't matter how good something new It's like, oh, you like this? I'm going to punish you for liking something. Well, exactly. In, in, in no other entertainment field 
nor sporting field or anything. Well, maybe Star Wars. Do they, um, do the, do the creative sides punish the audience for liking something? Right. We can go back recently. Rusev Day. Crowd got huge behind that organically. If right. If the crowd gets organically behind you in the WWE, you're screwed. You are. You absolutely are. And, and that goes back to, I mean, Taz has done interviews talking about uh, the debut at MSG in 2000 at the Royal Rumble and walking backstage and going, I'm screwed, because they popped for me in a way they weren't supposed to pop for me, and I'm not going to get any kind of backing here, and he was exactly right, and the politics... Which is so stupid! Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Isn't the, isn't the whole idea to we create stars to sell merchandise to right. make money? No, what, you, we want you to create this star. It's like, you know, and fast forwarding back to the NXT 2.0, there's not one person on there that I see as a star. I know everyone's like, you know, Braun Breaker this, Braun Breaker that. I mean, no, that's just the dumbest name possible, first of all. But I get it, because Vince McMahon had his whole thing with alliteration, you know? Right. Roman he Reigns, Braun Breaker, Hulk Hogan. That's a thing that he do. I'm pretty sure if his name, real name wasn't John Cena, he would have been John Johnson or something. Sure. <laughs> no, that's it's a good just, point. He's an absolutely – I get why. There's something to do with the fact that Scott Steiner owns the Steiner name. But even if he didn't own the Steiner name, remember, Joe Henning, Curtis Axel was Michael McGillicuddy. Right. Ray Gordy was um, – what was he? was Jesse or something like that. Right. Uh, Tamina sometimes has her last name, but then her dad uh, was – you know, they got dug up for murder charges again, and they were like, well, no, she doesn't have her last name either. Yeah. Natalia doesn't have Neidhart. You know, it's just one of those things that just, you know, someone who claims, like, you know, the history of everything, yet they don't acknowledge it. And they want to pretend like, because the, they want to pretend like it didn't happen, because unless they want it brought up in the WWE's mind, wrestling fans don't remember what happened 15 minutes ago. Well, that's true. And because Vince can't remember anything, he thinks nobody else can remember anything either, which there's a couple points I want to get to, because you, you threw a lot out there that I want to respond to, but uh, the, the thing that comes most immediately to mind is as far as people's recall, because there is a complete different way that they operate versus you reference Tony Khan the way that he operates. Tony Khan, and you and I have talked about how AEW is sort of a synthesis of old WCW, old ECW, definitely PWG, definitely the Indies. It's not just the fact that Excalibur and the Young Bucks and everyone's there. But what I'm going to reference to you right now is sort of the indie ethos of PWG slash ROH, whatever that runs through that. Because the fact that they do these The Road 2 shows, promoting every week when they're going to be on TV, I saw two different things in the past year. I'm going to throw out Matt Seidel, who's a guy who they use fairly rarely on regular TV. He's, I think he's a fixture on the YouTube shows. But... They hyped up, and again, as somebody who was didn't become nearly as big of a star as either Cody Rhodes or CM Punk, they ran these about eight or nine months apart, so it was still fresh when you watched the second one. But for each of them, it was the thing of like, you know, the guy who didn't quite make it to that level wanting to prove himself against such and such, and then you had the more established guy saying, well, he can be bitter all he wants, but he's not going to beat me this week, versus... They make everything on TV, they try to make everything mean something the same way that indie supercards did. ROH, PWG, whatever. Tony Khan approaches every TV show as though it was one of these shows from back in the day where you need to have a number of these things on this show that mean something, as though you're selling a DVD of that show. 
versus in the WWE, it's a crap factory. We got seven hours of TV a week to fill. It, it becomes a thing of like filling time. They fill time in the WWE versus in the other company in AEW. Every show is supposed to mean a number of things. It and, and, and everything trickles down from that, Jake. I agree with you. AEW does a you know they try to do their absolute best to make every like little uh, moment count towards something. I uh, there's a couple issues I have with AEW um, while we're on the you know um, I guess WWE sure. <laughs> WWE of this one, but like my my major issue that I have with AEW is that stuff doesn't flow into the next thing. Now, what I mean by that is, okay, hypothetically speaking, let's say you tuned in to see CM Punk. You're a big CM Punk fan, right? CM Punk comes out, that's it. There's no interaction with him later on. There's no mention of him. There's no nothing. It's just, that's it. It's, it's, your portion of the show is done. It feels oftentimes to me like several different like pieces, yes. which essentially is what it is, are being brought together into one show and like pushed in to the show but they don't flow from one into the next into the next it's like it reminds me a lot of like wcw where the cruiserweights would never interact with the heavyweights it was like that's your segment that's it they're done that's a great point for as much flack as we have given uh vince russo over the years and just deserve all of them he has done a one thing he did great along under with under Vincent Man, you gotta give him credit too on this, was back in the day there was always a continuing thread yes. of like, you know, say, say you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin was gonna show up or The Rock was gonna show up later on that night. They would talk about it. Or let's say, you know, something happened and somebody got screwed over in a match, all of a sudden you see a backstage thing with them like, you know, hey, I you know, I want I, I'm gonna get revenge or something like that. Just to let you know it was a, like it was a continuous story arc. We don't get that and not only did AEW, we don't get that really in WWE either. Very rarely will they do something like that, where it's like, okay, give me a reason to want to keep watching this show. And AEW, my issue with them is give me a reason, and this is going to sound so crazy, but it's like, give me something other than I know I'm going to see a quote-unquote good match. And that's subjective of whatever your idea of a, a good match is, because there's, okay, a case, a case of point, um, uh, what you call it? Wednesday night. Did you watch Wednesday night? Yes. Uh, CM Punk and um, MJF. Right. Absolutely loved the match. Fantastic match. I, I love the, the the finish of it. I thought it, you know, it was the right way for Punk to lose. Great heel heat puts MJF over like a million bucks in the way his character would do do things. But my issue comes in is that that uh, my girlfriend were making fun of us. We were making fun of how the referees in pro wrestling now count, and we've decided it's per number. So it's like they'll count. They'll go one, two, two, three, three, <laughs> right, three, etc. Then it's like, oh no, Rick, did you just say something to me? One. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's it, uh, it's just so far away from where things were, but those are little things. Like, they have all of the right talent there. They have everything you, you could possibly want. Matter of fact, you and I have talked about this. I still want to do an AEW draft with you because, yes. honestly, AEW has a much AEW is a company that should have a roster split or brand split because WWE doesn't have enough talent right now to fill two shows, which why at WrestleMania, I'm actually advocating them merging the belts back together. That's exactly it. You talk about dream matches. The only thing they could do for dream matches would be if they ended up 
uh, doing that and, and merging back together and making it the one roster as they should. The, I, the, 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 winner, the winner could become the third ever, first ever undisputed champion. Yes, exactly. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Joining, uh, what, uh, Chris Jericho and uh, Randy Orton. But I will say this, though. WWE, to this day, they do what you're talking about a little bit better. And I'm not even saying that it's a great quality thing, but it's like as far as cutting backstage to Roman Reigns 25 times a show, waiting for his segment. I mean, the thread through the show, they do do that more on Raw and SmackDown than they do in AEW. Having said that, I think, however inadvertently, Jake, you made my point for me uh, on that. You reinforced it because if it was an indie super show, Indie super shows don't have threads. They move from one thing to the next. <laughs> Which, I, absolutely. And I, and I guess, like, you know, you're right there. I mean, I, I was trying to think ECW did back in the day. Not really. ECW just did it in the ring. <laughs> a right. match would end, and all of a sudden, two guys would run out, there'd be a run-in, and there'd be another match going on. Yes. Um, AEW, instead of doing that, because that was Paul Heyman's way of getting everybody on the card. Right. Tony Khan just has 8,000 people at ringside. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Sometimes you can, it can become a clutter, you know, or you're like, people get lost in the shuffle right. sometimes. Or it's like, you know, it's like if you debut there, okay, you're here for like two weeks and then you're just another guy. But here's <laughs> the thing, though, is that like AEW doesn't succeed in getting everybody over, but they try versus WWE. And, and when you look at something like the Rumble, it's a thing where, again, the years when the brand split was abandoned, uh, and it was only a couple of years there, but uh, where there was only the one championship to fight for, it was very, very anticlimactic because it was only two or three guys at most that were going to be in the mix with, with a chance to win this thing. And it was thought that once you went back to the brand split, I'm sorry, brand extension, that that wouldn't be the case. And yet, it is still the case because... Well, for, but it's not only that, though. They they train you to think of all of these guys as geeks. I mean, for all of the rumors this week about that Matt Riddle might have been the winner, are you kidding me? Who would have taken him seriously fighting for, really, the B championship? Because anything other than Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, who I think between them have won every year at Survivor Series, any year that they've been in the champion versus champion thing here, it, it's the JV bracket on the other side essentially, but even fighting for a JV title. Uh, Matt Riddle feels out of place when that would never have been the case before he got called up. But this is one of these things of where, and this is where Pritchard plays into it as well with his goofy 80s crap and, and not, you know, Bruce Pritchard stopped learning anything about wrestling the day after he started doing Brother Love. But it was a thing where everything's got to be as broad as possible. Vince only understands super broad stuff. you got to dumb everything down. That's why all the baby faces got to be white meat to the point where people turn on them. Everything has to be broad so people at home can get it because they think everybody is idiots. And quite frankly, when they look at their audience at these shows, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with them. But that being said, Matt Riddle being nothing, you're, you're going to take the whole... Fast Times at Ridgemont High part of his character, which is admittedly a good chunk of it, but he's also an MMA guy. And you're going to emphasize that over everything else. How the hell is Spicoli, going to, and I'm not talking about Louis Spicoli, going to be perceived as a potential world champion in any type of company here? That's what happens when you treat everybody 
that way, and you condition the fans to think of everybody as geeks. I realize I'm going to have to pay uh, royalties to uh, Brian Alvarez for using that term. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, you you had a lot there to unpack uh, a little bit of what you to what you just said. Mm -hmm. um, the most recent thing you just said, I gotta say about as far as Riddle goes, ah, my friend Riccio, he who does not study the past is doomed to repeat it. Okay. Do you do you remember several years ago when John Cena won his tied Ric Flair from 2016 and he tied Ric Flair to become the 16-time uh, champion? I do. 17 number one year. Do you remember that? Yeah. And do you remember the road to WrestleMania? Uh, I do and indeed. Who, and who won the WWE Championship at WrestleMania? Yeah. All right. You take the role of, we will not be taking the role of Bray Wyatt, mm -hmm. and you will be saved by Riddle, and then Randy Orton will win the championship at WrestleMania. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. That that could yeah. happen. <laughs> I mean, and that was five years ago. And, and here's the thing, too, when, when you look at this, because you were talking about this uh, with, with Bray and uh, Braun Strowman in there and everything, and I think this goes to a wider part of the whole critique of Nick Khan and everything that he's up to here, and that is that, again, Bray and Braun were two of the only guys that they had that were exempted from being treated like geeks. They were, they were two of the only guys, and that's what made their releases so shocking, is that they were above that line where they're... There, there are probably more women than men above the line, but not by much. Because really, the only men above the line, I think, that are left are Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and I think probably Seth Rollins straddles it, but he's not over the uh, line. AJ Styles. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, they treated him like a geek in the, the almost blow-off. So. I mean, yeah, but at the same time, he's Teflon. All he's got to do is go out there like, you can't tell me that if all of a sudden, you know, AJ Styles just came out and said, I don't have it above for WrestleMania and I'm just using Edge because I think that'd be a good match. And, right. And he came out there, you wouldn't have the slightest of interest in that. Yeah, no, I mean, that I I, I would, I would, but I mean, they treat I, so... I, I only say that, oh, they treat him like crap, but I say that because he's the kind of guy that, you know, his, his body of work has spoken for itself. Right. That, you know, no matter what crap they give him, he can just go out there and have, like, you know, Kurt Angle was doing so much stupid, god-awful stuff in 2006, dare we remind you of the... Um, uh, feud with Booker T and his right. horrible promos that uh, would get canceled today. Um, let's just say that. Um, but when the, the bell rang, everybody cheered because he was so good. That's, that's AJ Styles. Well, you know, true. In my opinion, you know, no matter what they do with him, you know, it's okay. He's the only one in that e e echelon, I guess. But right. no, those, those are really the only ones. Maybe Randy Orton. Randy Orton, yeah, whenever they decide to use him at that level, uh, yes, that, that is the case. But here's the thing, though, in terms of this, is that Nick Khan convinced them that no matter how big these guys are, if they don't feel like they're justifying the salary, get rid of them. The one thing with Nick Khan that I don't hear anybody else talking about is he represents the death of of the monopolistic vision of WWE. Because when they, they had to come to grips with failing to put AEW out of business. They tried. They ran NXT at them. I was surprised they didn't load up NXT more than they did with, you know, uh, other, you know, rivals. Fox wouldn't have probably wanted too many SmackDown guys going there, but I can't imagine why uh, USA would have objected to a bunch of Raw guys coming in to, to bolster them. But anyways... Second, I don't want to bring this up while you're while you, you say it, so yeah. I don't lose this train of thought. I just yeah. want to bring this one point. Why can't they be on all the shows? 
It's not well, like it's a real draft one. It's not like someone's actually under contract to Fox and someone's under contract to USA. You know, if you have this talent, put them on the show. Yeah. Back in the day, that's what you would do, you know, and find a reason for it. Hell, well, you know, they could have very easily done an NXT versus SmackDown feud or something, you know. Right. Something like, give a reason for someone to be on the show. Right. You're like, you know, hey, I want this to happen. Go back to the whole idea of anything could happen, but it's the whole... We have these made-up fake rules that we have to follow. Well, anyway, you and, were saying, sorry. Yeah. Just, no, that's you know, an excellent point. An excellent point. And they only follow the rules because, when they want to. Because I understand sometimes leading up to WrestleMania, you see guys moving back and forth and Survivor Series, but they did it in the lead-up to the Rumble. And they don't even care. They just move guys back and forth. You're not even supposed to be paying attention to what shows these guys are on. Uh, at because, this point. again, it goes back to they don't have enough star power. No, they don't. They don't, and that's what they do, and it's a cheat because they don't have enough. 